remember, I, I think I've got my kids right. Do you remember the first time Gabe got up to do like a prayer for the Wednesday night Devo? Or I, think, I can remember Wednesday night. I, can't remember, I don't think it was Sunday morning. And he got emotional and kind of tearful and, and kind of gave up. Am I I'm remembering the right kid? I thought so. Yeah, and he gets up here now and remembers the, the sick who are on the list and, and thankful for the teachers. I love that. They do a good job in class too. They do a good job in class too. I love that. I was raised going to church and I went to a big church, about 2,500 member congregation. And so it was easy to get lost and they didn't have space or room for kiddos to, you know, be kiddos and, and cut their teeth. That's my excuse. I'm sticking with it. And then from about 17 to 37, I was away. And so when I came back to begin worshiping and Jen and I started taking our faith seriously at, at late 30s, uh, I was way behind Gabe, way behind Gabe. And uh, it, it's a little, uh, it's intimidating anytime, but how nice it would be to get past that intimidation when you're Gabe's age and still 37. Uh, anyway, great job. I love these kids, and I love, I love that we have a body of believers who let kids be kids and also encourage them, both male and female of all ages, to, to grow and develop and use their talents. I just I love that about that's one of the things I love about this body of believers. So, God bless you and good night. Good, good to see you guys. Good, good, good evening, good afternoon, good evening, good morning. What is it? How they do that? Uh, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And, and uh, this is a call, uh, I'm going to say a call to duty. We, we have a, in, in this country, we have a, a long and, uh, and grand history of service, uh, not only uh, in civilian life, but, but even in, especially in military life, in all the branches of the service. The, they have served our country well. They have uh, protected and, and preserved our freedoms. They have, they have kept us safe from all, all intruders. And... Uh, and the call for, for that is, is duty, honor, and country, right? Duty, honor, and country. And that's a, a little bit, I think, of what's going on here in, in the latter part of 1 Timothy chapter 5 and the first part of Timothy chapter 6. And we've talked about some of the language that, uh, in, in, in other classes especially, but some of the language about how we're, we're really not called to be civilians or spectators. We're called to be soldiers in the war between God and, and, and Satan, and we're called to... Uh, Put on the full armor of God and take our stand against the devil and his schemes. And when we've done everything else, to stand. And so what it seems like is we're at the end of five and the beginning of six. And, and there's this call for Christians to, uh, to follow the duty and honor and country. Although in this situation, it's not either Palestine or, or America. It's the country. It's the kingdom of God is, is the country that's being served here. So, so this, this call is for people to put on the armor of God, to, to conduct themselves in a way that's befitting of faithful Christian soldiers. So let's take a minute and kind of, with that, with that kind of framework in mind, let's, let's come to the text uh, and look, first of all, about one of, the, one of the things that we do for duty, honor, and country in terms of Christian soldiers is to honor our elders, honor our elders, which is kind of interesting because we're in, we were in, uh, 
First uh, Peter, and we had that call. We're in Mark. We had that call. So it's it's kind of interesting that we're we're connecting. We're still connect, still connected to this, and even earlier in Timothy, uh, Christians, faithful Christians, honor their elders. Let's go to First Timothy chapter five. Let's begin a reading in verse seventeen. First Timothy five verse seventeen. Uh, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water, and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not cannot be hidden. Let's stop there for just a minute. So... Duty, honor, and country. One of the things that faithful Christians do, one of the, way, one of the ways we fulfill our obligation, our duty, and, and our honor in our country is by honoring our elders. And one of the ways we do that is, uh, is by supporting them in their work, verse 17 and 18. Now, we've already talked in Timothy about some of the responsibilities of elders. The shepherding, you know, they're, they're overseers. They, they, their job is to, to look out. Uh, watchfully over the congregation to protect and, and to guide their shepherds who get out in front of the congregation and lead by example and call the congregation to, to move forward with them. Uh, their elders, which doesn't necessarily mean they're the oldest in the congregation, but they're old enough to lead from experience, not just from theory. Uh, and so we've talked about some of the, the responsibilities that elders share together. And they're responsible in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, for um, taking care of the church. Uh, exercising leadership and practicing supervision, taking care of the church. Uh, And in chapter 3, verse 2, when when the elder qualifications and qualities means they also includes they must be able, or sometimes when they say apt to teach. Uh, I always thought that was kind of interesting because we we tend, I think, to apply that a little bit differently than what I think maybe Timothy or, or the Holy Spirit meant that. Because if you're like if you're like me, I'll put it that way. I'll start with me. If you're like me, when I hear that, the first thing I think is. Sunday night class or Wednesday night class, Sunday night class. And, and that certainly could fit in the description. But how many Wednesday night classes would, did uh, Timothy have in Ephesus when he wrote this? Uh, how many Sunday night classes did he have or Sunday school classes? None of those things were even uh, on the radar as, as he writes these. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, for, clearly, we, we wouldn't want to exclude this type of teaching. I mean, that, that, that certainly could be involved in that. But what do you suppose Timothy had in mind, or what do you suppose the Holy Spirit had in mind for Timothy back in chapter 3, when he, in, in, the, in the context in which Timothy wrote, apt to teach? What, what kind of teaching do you suppose Timothy and the Holy Spirit meant when they talked about apt to teach? And I'm going to say it wasn't this setting, because they didn't have this setting. Okay, not, not, not necessarily in class, but outside? In, 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 their, in their daily life? So we, okay. Like, okay, individuals? 
Sat down, okay, sat down, able to, where is it? Is it, is it First Peter? Always be ready to give an answer for those who ask the reason for the hope that lies within you. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm studying with, with Roman as he's preparing to, to be baptized in this. One of the things we talked about is be, be prepared. And so his homework for this week was to practice with mom and dad what his hope is and how to explain it. Because I, I think especially for a young men his age, it's probably one of the best ways to evangelize is just say, here's, here's why I want to be a Christian. Here's why I want, here's why I want to make this commitment. Uh, and it probably would be good for all of us. In fact, it's, I think the Bible tells all of us we need to be able to give an answer. So, so one of the ways that elders can teach is to be able to sit down with somebody and go, here's why I'm a Christian. Here's why I believe that I have a home in heaven. Here's what I'm looking forward to when I get to heaven. And I, I'm, I'm anxious to see, because Roman's a sharp young man, uh, I'm anxious to see an 11-year-old mind describe what he's looking forward to in heaven. I, I know as a guy that gets older and, and my, my joints get crankier, you know, some of the things I'm looking forward to when I get to heaven, and my, my glasses get thicker. I know some of the things I'm looking forward to. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what an 11-year-old is looking forward to when he gets to heaven. So I'm anxious for that. So, so teaching, one is to be able to, to take someone through the scriptures and show them what, it, what Christianity is and why it is and how it is. And maybe another one might be just by, clearly by example. Uh, we have uh, two elders that are still in, in the working world. And I think they, that's a beautiful place, a fantastic place for them to be able to be out in the community and, and, and demonstrate day in, day out, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. This is what it looks like to be faithful. Uh, so, so apt to teach. So, so here's this idea of, of people who are, uh, who, who are carrying on a responsibility. And part of our job is to support them in that. Verse 17 says, elders who take on these responsibilities are worthy of honor. So 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work as preaching and teaching. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and you tell me if you agree or disagree. It's not written in there, but I'm going to suggest it's, it's more than implied. And that is every elder, everyone who steps up and is willing to serve as a spiritual shepherd deserves honor. Everyone, whether you like the way they shepherd or not, if they're willing to step up and take the role, if they, if they fit 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, uh, if, they, if they are willing to shepherd, they're trying to shepherd, trying to oversee. And the reason I say that is because the, the ones who do a especially good job are worth, worth double honor. So that would imply to me that all of them are worth a single honor. But the ones who seem to excel at this have a gift for that are worthy of double honor. Any, uh, anybody? Uh, want to challenge that? And, and I, I'm not saying that confrontationally. Uh, anybody want to offer a different viewpoint on that? Uh, it would. Who's giving the honor? Great question. Who's giving the honor? To whom? Uh, who, who's the ones responsible for giving the honor? Yeah, the congregation would be my answer. Yeah, the congregation. Now, and clearly, let's let's do this as well. To, to be honest to the context, okay? To be honest to the context. I think it, it's, it, it, it seems clear 
that, that included in the honor is, uh, is uh, reimbursement and payment, uh, support, financial support. Uh, I, don't, I, know that, I don't know that that's all that's included here, but that's certainly a part of it. Uh, so if, you know, there were some who were elders who were full-time paid spiritual leaders in the congregation, and uh, that would make sense because I think, I think this division we have nowadays where we have elders and then we have preachers, and uh, we send the preachers off to go to school and the elders, we kind of just throw them in the deep end of the pool and say, here, you guys figure it out on your own. Uh, I'm, I kind of think maybe in a lot of congregations, the idea of, of a paid full-time preacher, I think, is not common. I'll put it that way. Maybe very uncommon in the first century church. But it seems like almost from the moment you have a, spirit, a, a spiritual body, a body of believers, the Bible seems to, to present the idea that you need on-the-ground, boots-on-the-ground spiritual leadership. Uh, now that's not, we don't often practice that in, in our modern churches today because you know a lot of congregations, I know a lot of congregations that have been around for a long time that don't have any elders. And the answer is, well, we're a small congregation, we don't have anybody that's, that's suitable. Uh, but if you look in the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, uh, Saul, the, the minute they get through making that little hook with Iconia, Lister, and Derb, the first thing Paul tells Barnabas, hey, let's go back with all these churches and let's appoint elders in each church, elders plural in each singular church. And so they start making the loop back around and appoint elders. And you don't see deacons coming along or, or people or servants who are specifically assigned to serve the physical needs of the congregation until physical needs pop up with the distribution of food to the widows. So... The minute a congregation pops up, it seems like they're saying, okay, we need some spiritual leadership, boots on the ground, spiritual leadership. Let's go back around and appoint elders in each church. But they don't appoint servants to serve the physical needs until the physical need pops up. Now, I don't know that we can be legalistic about that, but that seems kind of, kind of be the, that seems to be what's presented in the scripture. So, so who's given the honor? It would seem to be the, the congregation gives the honor, whether it is the honor in terms of respect or even honor in terms of uh, a, a, a salary, which would make sense for, since we've already talked about uh, a, some kind of a, uh, uh, I need to find a better word, some kind of compensation, and maybe that's a good word, for widows indeed, for, for widows who are, are without a husband or, or someone to help them financially. So it would make, also make sense that this honor would include a, a compensation for those who serve, so everyone's do honor, every elders do honor, but those who seem to have a gift for it to do especially well and their gift is preaching and teaching, then they are worthy of double honor. Um, and, and the idea of uh, the financial support so also supported, if you look in verse 18, there's two examples of, of why this is the case, why uh, those who serve well are worthy of double, everyone's worthy of honor, those who, who do especially well are worthy of double honor. For one thing, you don't muzzle the ox when it's treading out the grain. In other words, if you're going to put the ox to work, compensate the ox for the work it's doing. I'm not sure we should call elders oxen, but, but that's, the, that's the, the example that we're given here. And secondly, the worker deserves his wages, the latter part of verse 18. So it seems to me clearly that, that uh, there's, there's discussion here of compensation, but I also think it includes what, how we might consider honor and that would be respect. Uh, so, uh, you got any thoughts on that? You want to 
move that on anymore, Arlene? You got some more thoughts with that? I see the gears just, I see the gears turning. They're just whizzing away. Anybody else? Yeah, nobody becomes an elder to get rich. Well, it, it, uh, they shouldn't because one thing, that one qualification for an elder is they're not greedy for, for, for filthy lucre, right? So while they might handle the purse strings or at least oversee the budget, uh, wealth is, is not the, the motive, which means they wouldn't make good politicians because how many politicians come into office poor and they leave rich? So that, boy, that one just snuck right in there, didn't it? I'm not usually political, but I just threw that one right into the curve. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, you don't take it to get rich. You take it because there's a need. And, and Larry, you, you, can, you can help me with this. If I, if I get off track, straighten me out. Um, almost every elder I've ever known was reluctant because they didn't feel up to the task. But they saw that there was a need, and, and they were able to fit the kind of person that the Bible says can help fill that need. And so there's this, this it's a daunting task. And then Scripture says that, that the elders are going to be held to a, 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 a higher standard than what the average member is because they're not responsible for their walk with God. They're, they're responsible to shepherd the congregation and, and uh, to, to care for them as well. So it, it is, a, it is a, a responsibility that comes with a great uh, weight to it. Uh, but it's done... Hopefully it's done out of, out of a, a, a sense to, a call to answer a need. Jim? Yes, for no other reason. It is, it is often a very thankless job. It's, it's a job with high expectations and low reward, at least in terms of, of uh, immediate satisfaction and gratification and encouragement. And, and, and our elders here would argue, with, argue that with me. They would step up and say, well, this is a wonderful congregation, and they're very supportive and very encouraging. And I don't want to take away from that, but what else are they going to say? You know, I'm not an elder, so I get to speak what I believe more candidly. Uh, but yeah, it's a thankless job. So... Uh, I love what you said about uh, if you don't like what they're doing, then step up. There, there's a Christian song on the radio that, that I, I like very much, and I wouldn't even, if I could remember the name, I wouldn't tell you. But it, it's, it's a great song, and I love it, and I kind of I hum and sing to it as best I can when it comes on the radio. But there's one word in there I don't like. 
And, and I, I think, well, why, how dumb is that? What, what, what is that word in there when, they, when this word's clearly a much better word? That, why, why'd they pick that? Because they, they don't even need it to rhyme. It, it just don't have to have it to rhyme. It's just they, that word's better. And, I'm, and I was there thinking, uh, uh, David, you're an idiot. These people had the, the, the uh, creative ability to write a song, which I don't have. They had the creative ability to perform the song, which I don't have. They had the business ability to, to, to get the song produced and on the radio, which I don't have. So they did 99.999% of the work, and I find one flaw, and I criticize it like I'm some kind of expert. I say that because a lot of times I think that's how we treat our elders. And, and I, I jokingly say this, I've never been an elder, so I know exactly how it should be done. And it's like, it's like the youth minister who has, who's never been married and doesn't have any kids, but he's teaching a parenting class, right? Uh, n- never done it, but I know exactly how it should be done. And, and so uh, I, I've been blessed to sit in, in a lot of elders' meetings in, in, in Texas and here and watch godly men, imperfect, just like me, but godly men who agonize and pray and and. and and, and, and agonize over the flock and how to, how to best serve them, how to best care for them, how to best oversee them, how to best lead them, and, and, and struggle with that and, and humbly try to find a way to lead a, a congregation that is a lot of times, and, and I'm, I'm going to throw me in with the rest of us, but for a, a lot of times we make their job like trying to herd cats. And they still... Give it their all. Worthy of honor. Whether it's compensation is honor, whether it's, and certainly it's our respect is honor. And, and I kind of think if, well, I'll, I'll, we'll come back to that. All right. Uh, follow, follow up. No, you said thankless. I just backed you up. Exactly. Okay. Now I'm going to say this, and, and, and I'm going to exclude our elders because they didn't ask me to say this, and they probably don't appreciate me saying this. And, and I'm not even sure they would agree with me saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I've got the microphone. When I say not paid back, I'm going to say we as, a, as the flock, I'm right there with you. We as the flock are far more inclined to vocalize a problem, a disagreement, a complaint than we are to vocalize a compliment or a supportive word or, or a, uh, an attaboy. And that's, and, and I know some elders, and, and, and I haven't heard this from these guys here, and I have to be real careful because anytime I, I try to, anytime I try to say something about how tough the elder's job is, invariably the elders come and say, don't do that, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't do that, we, we don't need that. And maybe you don't. The elders in Texas would often uh, lament that before they became elders, they had some really good friends in the congregation who would hang out with them, who would talk with them. Who, it, was, it was just kind of like some of the visiting goes on in the foyer, just, just easy going, laid back, just conversation, some good-natured ribbing and that kind of stuff. And uh, several of them felt like that, that when they became elders, that, that there was a little bit of a kind of a little protective wall that, that they, they sensed that some of the members had put up. 
I've not heard that from our guys here, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if maybe they had experienced something like that as well. It's a, it's a tough job. And, and I'm, I'm going to say consistently, the, every flock I've been a part of, from my perspective, which gives me the right to be wrong, I reserve the right to be wrong, uh, is much more inclined to, to complain than to compliment. And I'm not going to ask our elders or elders' wives if they agree with that. Human nature is more inclined to complain than to compliment, yeah. And, and, and that's true, but I think, I think um, we as Christians, um, a consistent call for you and me as Christians is to go against human nature. And by the, okay, any other comments on that before we, Larry? Right. Yeah. Didn't seek it. Yeah. But after being there for a while and getting knocked down, and then all of a sudden you get a real good something. Right. So a tough job, but every once in a while a reward comes along that makes all the, the, the toughness worthwhile. And there's a lot of good rewards with it, but yeah. I'm just saying that it seems like whenever I get down, there'd be something good. Yeah, down. yeah. And it'd bring me on back to focus. That's double honor. This, that's kind of where I was going with this honor thing. Okay, so... D- double honor, and, and ex- how, how do you have double honor in that story? I'm with you. Help, help us. How good he felt, the honor that he yeah. needed to have. I guess he was the recipient of it. I, my question was, who's given the honor? Yeah. To God be the And so in, in that sense, the, the, the double honor would be that, that even though he didn't feel like, didn't, didn't always feel qualified, didn't feel like that was up, didn't even, wasn't, wasn't looking for the job when, when it came to him, that God worked through him to bring people to Christ. And that's really, I think, maybe, so if I can expand on that, uh, it's got to be one of the great rewards, I know it is for a minister, that, that, that when God works through our elders, our shepherds, our leaders, either to bring uh, someone outside of Christ into Christ or to help those of us who are in Christ, to guide those of us who are in Christ to to a deeper relationship with Christ and a deeper walk with God, that's got to be a reward and it's got to be an honor. Uh, I, I grabbed one of our elders just to, this, this, this week and I said, I need you to put on your elder hat and I need you to shepherd me. And so the fact that we have people who are willing to do that and, and kind of to, to, to walk with us and encourage us and lead us. Um, so there's, there's the call to support our elders. Any other comments on that? We're going to have a few more elder points here before we get on. But Okay. Uh, another way that Christians, that faithful Christians honor their elders is protecting them from unfair accusations, verses 19 and 20. 
Uh, do, not deserve, uh, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. Tough, tough, tough passage. Uh, elders are responsible for directing the affairs of the church. And, and uh, if you're like me, anytime someone exercises authority, even rightfully God-given authority, my first inclination is bow up. Am I the only one? Yeah, uh, I, I inherited that from my dad. It's in the genes. It's not my fault. It's his fault. In, invariably, when, when someone tries to exercise leadership, when someone tries to shepherd, to guide, to, to, uh, to lead, that can rub some people the wrong way. Just the fact that they're, that they're trying to, to speak a, maybe a word of correction or a word of, of, of redirection into somebody's life, that's, that can be all it takes to make somebody upset. Whether it's, whether it's accurate or not, the fact that someone might have the audacity to speak a word of correction into their life. Uh, so from that can come accusations. There's lots of motives for accusations. Some legit. But a lot of, uh, some, a lot of uh, elders are vulnerable to accusations if they shepherd. Well, they're vulnerable if they don't, right? It's one of those you can't win for, for losing. If you don't shepherd, you're vulnerable to accusation because you're not doing your job. If you do shepherd, you're vulnerable to accusations because you're sticking your nose in where it doesn't belong. All right? And so part of our job is to protect our elders from unfair accusations uh, and, and that is to to uh, and sometimes that just means uh, for, for me personally that's meant more than once I've had to tell somebody my office is not a safe place to come and grab out the elders for some reason I don't know some people just think the preacher's office is a perfect place to come grab out the elders so I've just had, I've had to tell more than one person this, that's, this is not a safe place to grab out the elders if you have a problem with the elders then I encourage you to go with them and if you want me to go with you I'll go with you but you can't walk in here and use this as a place to come and grab out the elders. Uh, that's probably true. Uh, okay. If I'm not, if, this is the perfect place to get in trouble. That's probably true not only for elders' offices, that's probably true for the coffee shop and for the lunch gathering after morning services and for the foyer and where else. Now, verse 20, if an elder is guilty, it needs to be guilt established by the two or three witnesses. Why two or three witnesses? What's the biblical reason for two or three? We can give a practical reason. What's the biblical reason for two or three witnesses? Okay, well, there's practical. You avoid the he said, he said. I'm sorry? The law of Moses, yeah. All the way back to the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. You can't bring, if you're going to bring charges, you've got to have witnesses to avoid he said, he said. So that, that, that's, that's going to help keep me from going on a rant against our elders. One of our elders has the audacity to try to shepherd me and tell me, David, uh, you know, I love you and you're, and you're young. You're, you're young, yeah. I used to get say that. Yeah, David, you're, you're, uh, 
you're, you're, you're a good guy, but, but I, I'm a little concerned about this right here. And that just sets me off and I get mad. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tear against that elder. And I'm going to go see if I can find somebody to... And so I just, just I decided to go bring an accusation. Well, hopefully the rest of us are not as hot-headed as I am. And so I'm not going to find partners to join me in trying to tear somebody down. Now, if it's a legitimate problem... There are probably others who have experienced the same thing, and then we can have this, this idea of, of, of a correction, which means that even our spiritual shepherds are open to, uh, to being shepherded, uh, to being uh, uh, corrected, if you will, lovingly, caringly. Uh, and then if it's found to be true, verse 20 says they're to be rebuked publicly. And it gives the reason for it. It's not, it's not to get your pound of flesh. It's not to eat burning coals on our head. It's not to bring injury or pain. It's not to bring personal vindication. Uh, those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that others may take it as a warning. Uh, all right, comments on that? The, the Bible is is our yeah. law book, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, there's black and white in the Bible, right or wrong, and and if someone violates that, then then we certainly have we we this is our this is our guide, not what not what the community says, not what I think is right or wrong, but. You want to watch an eldership get in trouble? Let them try to practice the biblical concept of church discipline. Let me bring lawsuits against that. It's, it's, it's needed. It's called for. It's biblical. But you want to you pick out a lose-lose situation? Church discipline. Why? Because we as the flock don't always respond well. Now, I'm, you're welcome to challenge me anytime you want to on any of this. It, it, wouldn't, be the, uh, it wouldn't be the first time I'd be wrong. A family or, or an individual that uh, you're trying to take this against, they, they get a bunch of people behind this. Right. The offended party gets... I remember in Texas one time, the elders felt like there was a problem because we had a gentleman who was willing to be a song leader. And for those of you who are willing to do that, you know that's, that's also a difficult job. And, and this guy um, had one gear, and it was Granny Low. It was, I mean, so he would sit back here, and uh, the elders would make the announcement. <laughs> James bite her lip because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and then it would be time for the song leader, and he'd get up from this row, and he would just mosey up here. And then mosey up to the lectern, and then he'd open his songbook, and he would sift here and sift there a little bit. And you know, me as the preacher, I'm thinking, oh, thank you very much for putting everybody to sleep for it before I get up there, because that's my job. You know, I'm, you're supposed to wake him up. My, and, and so the elders had the audacity to ask him to please speed it up. Please, please have your songs picked out before you get up there. Please have at least the first song marked with your page. And if you don't want to walk any faster, then please sit further front. He got livid. His family got livid. They all left that congregation. And they, 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 they stayed part of the same 
they're in the same tribe, but they left that congregation and left a trail of destruction in their path. Well, I guarantee you their assessment of his performance was right. <laughs> Jen, would you agree? Yeah. Uh, and, and I believe that what they're looking for is, is, is a worship service that is an experience that draws us closer to God. And I believe they handled it in a loving manner. I know these guys well enough to know they weren't brutal about it. But evidently, this gentleman is not used to hearing correction. Grown man with kids. And so he, his, family, his wife, his kids, his parents, uh, his parents, yeah, and, and some extended family all gone and left bad blood. So if your elders, if, if you ever think your elders should be engaged in church discipline, they seem reluctant to be so, give them some grace. Yeah. Does that rise to the occasion of discipline? Well, with this young man, clearly to him, it was not only discipline, but it was an invasion of his service. Yeah. So to, to you and me, that would be a, uh, constructive criticism, right? To him, it was devastating. It was, it was, a, it was a devastating. And his point, I, 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 would, I, I tried to stay connected with him. And, uh, and so we would do lunch together and visit lunch together. And, and his big complaint to me was, you know, there's a lot of people in there doing a lot worse job than I am. Which is a beautiful Christian example of, of, of how, to, how to defend yourself when the elders try to shepherd you. So, so when, when I say that we as the sheep don't always follow like we should, we don't. All right, five minutes. Let's see what we can do. Honoring the elders means exercising good judgment, verses 21 through 25. Um, I charge you in the sight of God and Jesus, elect angels to keep the instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favoritism. Uh, do not be hasty in laying on of hands. Uh, so I, well, I'm going to practice the Passover on, 20, on 23. Uh, the sins are obvious. Some get their ahead, some get behind. So also the good deeds, some, some get ahead, some get behind. Verse 21, we need to avoid favoritism. How many of you have more than one kid and have a favorite? How many of you have more than one kid and have a favorite? You're not willing to admit it. (laughs) It's easy to have favorites, isn't it? It's easy to have favorites. Uh, We need to be careful when we do that with our elders. So let me ask you this. Um, Looking back in verse 21, how important does the Holy, how important does Timothy take these charges uh, and, and evidently how important is this to the Holy Spirit as well? Is it, is it, is it just Paul saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm an apostle and I have some spiritual leadership, so here's just kind of my thought. You know, does that, he does that in 1 Corinthians, right? I say this, not God, not the Lord. Is this one of those, you know, Paul going, here's my opinion? Look at verse 21. What, what force does he have behind, behind these admonitions? Is it opinion Come on, you'll help me. It says in the presence of God and Christ. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels. You think that's important? 
Why do you think he says that? Why do you think he brings that up in verse 21 and gets to it going, here's a, here's a good, good saying. Here's a healthy practice. Why didn't he just say, here's a healthy practice? Instead of, I charge you in front of God the Father, Christ the Jesus, and the angels. Do this. Why do you think he does that? He's trying to make a point. Not only is he trying to make a point, evidently he needs to beat us over the head with the point, and he's bringing to us, I don't know of any greater authority to bring the charge to us than God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the angels. He's saying, there's no better witness I can bring to you. This is big. Don't dismiss this. Don't belittle this. Don't treat this like it's an oh, by the way. It's not. It's top letter, number one, primary, bold, underline, Highlighted. Pay attention. That's what he's saying. So now if I choose to say, well, you know what, I hear what you're saying, but, but I'm a preacher and I've been educated, I've gone to college and I know better than these elders. I've been educated in ministry. And so I feel like I don't really have to listen to those elders. Then who am I violating? God the Father? Christ the Son, the elect angels, the Holy Spirit who inspired Paul to write this, and the elders. And so that's going to give me a great deal of confidence when I stand before God on Judgment Day. Well done, good and faithful servant, right? You think this is important? Think it matters? Do you think we struggle with any of this in our congregation? Timothy is charged with teaching the congregation to support and protect the elders without partiality. Verse 22, he talks about not making hasty decisions because sometimes, and I think this is in selecting elders or in in, in appointing elders, and because sometimes people look good in the first blush, but when you get to know them, they've got some baggage, right? And then there's sometimes that people may not look all that impressive, but when you get to know them, man, they're golden. I think that's what he's saying here. You get to know them, get to know the real them. Get to know what they bring to the table because sometimes they seem deep but they're shallow. Sometimes they seem shallow but they're deep. Make an informed decision. And I timed it just right so there's not any time for rebuttals or comments. (laughs) May God bless you. We'll take a break here and Lord willing we'll come back next week. Thank you very much.